0: I'm here today with Ty Busada and Jeff McDonald of Edgepoint Investment Group. They will be becoming one of the satellite managers on our global equity strategies going forward. Gentlemen, Edgepoint Investment Group will be a new name to our investors. Perhaps we could start by asking you about the company's heritage and the differences in your investment approach.
1: EdgePoint was created in 2008 by four founders, Jeff McDonald, Patrick Farmer, Bob Kremble and myself. Uh, We all had the opportunity to work together at a firm called Trimark back in 2000. And in 2000, the firm was actually subject to a takeover and and under the new leadership the firm changed. And over the next seven to eight years, uh, we had the opportunity to be a part of that change. We decided that... Uh, We wanted to create our own firm and recreate what existed at the old Trimark, an investment-led culture, a firm that was focused on the end investor primarily. And that's what led to the creation of EdgePoint in in 2008. If you look at the firm since that time, uh, it's grown from the four founding partners to 31 partners, and 75% of those 31 partners used to work at the old firm, we used to work together. As it relates to my investment background, I actually started off in 1996 at one of Canada's largest pension plans, a firm called Ontario Teachers Pension Plan. And I started off as a junior analyst, and I progressed from a junior analyst to a portfolio manager, where I was responsible for a portfolio in excess of a billion dollars on the Canadian side. And then I moved down to TriMark in 1999, and was on the Canadian side of Trimark for a year before uh, moving over to, over to the global side. And I worked on the global flagship product at, uh, the global, on the global side of Trimark for the next eight years. The first four years as co-manager and the next four years as lead manager. And Ty and I
2: have worked together now for, I think, 17 years, so I started at the same pension fund. I started in 1994, initially as Ty, like Ty did, uh, as an analyst and then later as a portfolio manager managing one of their uh, larger portfolios. I went to Trimark in 1998 and over the course of about 10 years at Trimark managed uh, multiple mandates from a resource fund to a small companies fund to Canadian equity funds um, and then the last five years a uh, global uh, small to mid-cap portfolio.
0: Your investment style has different aspects of both growth and value. Can you explain the process in a little more detail please?
2: Sure. Our our approach does have elements of both value and growth. And to really understand our approach, um, it's important to understand a couple very strong beliefs we have about investing one's money in the stock market. The first is that a stock is not a piece of paper that moves up and down on a stock market every day or every week or every month. A stock is a chance for you to have an ownership stake in a business. Uh, That's number one. Number two is if you're going to own a business, you should focus on the long term doesn't make a whole lot of sense if you're going to own a business to buy and sell that business every two months, every month, every week, every every three months or whatever that might be. So you should have a long-term view. Once you believe in that, um, the questions that you would ask and you'd expect us to ask um, of any potential investment becomes pretty clear. Is it a good management team? Because if you're going to own a business for three to five years, um, you should have a strong management team running it or else a weaker management team will likely end up in lower returns versus stronger management team. Um, can you identify a competitive advantage, whether it's scale or, or it could be a patent portfolio, something that that business does that will allow it to protect its business but also grow market share? Uh, that would be very important. Um, what are the growth prospects of the business? If you're going to own a business for three years or five years, it'd be an awful lot better off if you had an idea for how that business could be two or three times the size later on down the road. And then most importantly, if you found that great company with a great management team, barriers to entry and growth prospects, can you buy it at a great price? Can you buy it at a price that's at a substantial discount to what you think it's worth or what it will be worth in the future? And and that's what we're all about. Now, that focus on price, that last focus on price to make sure you buy something for less than it's worth is why you would classify us as a value manager. But we also have a bias to buy a business for less than it's worth, but to see that business be able to grow its value over time. So if you try to sum our investment approach up in a sentence, which you really can't, but if you tried, uh, you would say, we try to buy growth stocks or growth businesses at a
1: value price.
0: How do you split management responsibilities? Do you have different sectors or markets that you look at?
1: Jeff and I work as a team. Uh, We've actually worked together since 1996 and over that period of time we've uh, developed a true mutual respect for each other's investment capabilities. As such, when I find an idea, I put it in front of him to challenge me on the idea and vice versa. There's not one idea that goes into the portfolio uh, that that we both don't agree on. We both have to have mental ownership for every idea that goes in the portfolio. And when the idea finds its way into the portfolio, we both have uh, equal responsibility for maintaining the thesis in the portfolio.
0: In terms of portfolio construction, how many stocks would you typically hold in one of your portfolios?
2: We tend to have a pretty, fairly concentrated portfolio, usually ranging from 25 to 35 holdings. We, we tend to do an awful lot of work before making an investment, so we're very comfortable uh, investing with conviction, and although the portfolio might seem concentrated, we spend an awful lot of time ensuring that each holding is a separate business idea, so that not all investments or not all ideas are, are strongly correlated to one another and that ensures a properly diversified portfolio uh, even though it's perhaps relatively concentrated at 25 to to 35 holdings. Um, With regards to uh, the typical holding period we tend to own our business for three to five years. Um, I find that um, there's a benefit to focusing on the long term um, and that's where a lot of advantages can come from in in the marketplace. You know the average investor Uh, focuses on the short term, what's just happened, what's happening, what's about to happen and if you're willing to focus on what a business could look like two, three, four years down the road um, there's less traffic there, there's less people focusing on that and it gives you a chance to perhaps take advantage of an opportunity and buy a business where the future of that business is not properly reflected in the stock price today.
0: Can you explain the type of characteristics of a company that you'd be looking to add to the portfolio and and what drives these new investment ideas?
1: We follow businesses not for a week or a month or a quarter, uh, but usually for years before committing capital. So we will read all the research we could get our hands on. We'll read all the public documentation that we could uh, get our hands on. We'll visit with management teams. We'll go to the call centers. We'll visit the factory floors. And not only that, but we'll do the same amount of work on the competition. And when I say we, I'm not talking about a team of analysts that Jeff and I deploy to do this. Oftentimes, it's Jeff and I on the planes all around the world visiting these companies ourselves. Uh, through the process of researching these companies sometimes we come up with proprietary insights uh, whereby we're able to see how the business is going to be bigger in the future than it is today and where we're not being asked to pay for that growth today. It's, it's a process of, of constantly accumulating facts and, and over time through the accumulation of facts uh, pulling those facts together I- into, uh, into an investment idea really um, through, through uh,
0: reasoning. And does your approach specifically favour or possibly exclude um, certain companies or sectors from holding in your portfolio?
2: Yeah, no, we, we don't have specific biases that would keep us out of specific industries or sectors, but we we certainly have biases that would keep us out of uh, individual investments. You know, we have a bias if you're going to own a business for three to five years, we have a bias for an average to less than average management team. We have a bias against that. We have a bias against companies where we can't identify uh... what its competitive advantage is. we have a bias against a business where we can't identify um, how it can grow if we can't understand or figure out how the business can grow and grow its value over time then we'll look for another idea um, and no matter how great a company is and no matter how no matter how great a management team is or the growth prospects of that business we have a very strong business for any company that's already fairly valued or overvalued in the stock market because there's no benefit will ever accrue to us as an owner of that business if we buy it at a fairly valued price or an overvalued price. Um, so what we're really trying to do is, is buy a, a company with a strong management team, competitive advantage, growth prospects, and buy it at a great price. And, and over the long term, um, if we can find that business, um, we're much less concerned what industry or what sector
1: it happens to, uh, to, to come from or be in.
0: Can you perhaps give me an example of a stock that you've recently added to the portfolio?
1: We recently bought a business called Teneco, and what Teneco does is they make particulate filters for light vehicles. What does that mean? They make filters that control emissions for cars, for example, and a lot of the world is worried about how many cars are going to be manufactured over the next five years. Today, the world manufactures around 80 million vehicles, and they're concerned that because of all the European crisis and because of what's going on in China as far as growth slowing down, that five years from now, it might not be 80 million, it might be 70 million, for example and the valuation on the business has come way down. What we've been able to see inside that business is the fact that is moving into brand new markets that they haven't been in before. So they're moving into on-road commercial vehicles like big trucks and off-road commercial vehicles like Caterpillar Equipment. And when they move into that space, this is brand new business for them. So it's nothing but growth and when we look at this business we see the opportunity for them to grow dramatically in that space. More specifically today their revenue is around seven and a half billion dollars and five years from now by just moving into this new space not assuming any growth for their base business we could see their revenue being somewhere closer to 11 billion. So assuming that no new light vehicles are sold Uh, above the current rate, Uh, by just moving into this new space they could grow their revenue dramatically. And because people are worried about the light vehicle side of their business, the stock market's not asking us to pay for the growth in the off-road and on-road commercial side. So it's a good example of a business that we're able to buy the growth for free of and a business that's going to be able to grow irrespective of what happens in the economy going forward within a band of reason. How do you manage risk
0: as part of your portfolio construction process?
1: When we think about risk, we think about it differently than, than most of the market. We, we would argue that most of the market thinks of risk as volatility. And the way we define risk is, is the opportunity for permanent loss of capital. And and when we think about uh, those opportunities for permanent loss of capital, we we, we look at each business and ask ourselves the question, if we invested in this business, how could we lose money? So how could revenue decline? How can margins contract? Is management succession in place? Are the defendable barriers to entry in this business going to come down? Or is there something about this business that we just don't understand and will never understand? Understanding the individual risks inside a business that could lead to permanent loss of capital is half the equation. The other half of the equation is is constructing the portfolio and ensuring that the ideas inside the portfolio are uncorrelated. We have very concentrated portfolios so we own between 25 and 35 businesses inside a portfolio but what we try to do is, is ensure that the ideas are differentiated from one another as much as possible so there's no correlation amongst those ideas. So that's how we think about risk uh, as it relates to portfolio construction and the individual names inside a portfolio.
0: I wonder if you could talk a little bit about the rigor of the St. James's Place fund selection process. How does it differ from other consultants that you've worked with?
2: Sure, the, the rigor of the St. James's Place uh, fund manager selection process could best be classified as um, unparalleled. Um, the The most comprehensive due diligence session we've probably ever gone through uh, with investment consultants over our career has probably done the work perhaps 10% of what Stanford and St. James's place uh, went
0: through with us. Finally, why should investors feel confident about investing with EdgePoint?
1: I think before investors invest their money in a firm, they should think about what the investment firm's trying to achieve. And at EdgePoint, we're trying to achieve three things. First, we're trying to deliver performance that's at or near the top of our peer group over a 10-year time frame. Historically, our investment approach has served us very well and we believe it will continue to serve us well in the future. The second thing that we're trying to achieve is is to have a true partnership with our investors and in order to honor our side of the partnership we have to deliver against that we have to deliver open honest and timely communication we have to explain to investors what's going in uh, what's going on inside the portfolio on a regular basis in a timely fashion and the third thing we're trying to achieve is is we ch- we're trying to have internal partners that think and act like owners on an ongoing basis. So if if you think about why you should consider EdgePoint, I would point to those three reasons as the key reasons.
0: Gentlemen, thank you
1: very much for your time. Thank you. Thanks for your time. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.